Well, like I said earlier, um, before the crunch, we are starting a new series today called Road Trip. And over the next 10 weeks, we are going to be taking a journey with Jesus, making stops along the way as he traveled for three and a half years during his ministry. Um, and today we're going to be talking about the first stop he made right after getting baptized and beginning his ministry. It was right after he was baptized in the Jordan River. And one of the things you're going to find out is that with every stop we, we, we make with Jesus, what stands out is his interactions with people. There was something about Jesus that when he had an interaction with people, they were never the same. And we're going to find that out throughout the entire um, series. It's just like what happens when we have an encounter with Jesus. Just like the people in Scripture, when we have an encounter with Jesus, rarely are we ever the same because he begins to change us in the best ways possible. But my dream for this series um, is that we go on this trip together, uh, not just through the Instagram road trip pictures. Um, I want to issue an invitation and a challenge to you. Oftentimes when invitation is at its highest and challenge is at its highest, we actually grow the most. And so I want to invite you to join me to read the Gospels over the next 10 weeks. This series is going to be 10 weeks road trip journeying with Jesus. I want to invite you to read with me all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are three eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life um, that, that, from disciples that were with him every day and night for three and a half years. And then you have Luke. He was a doctor. He wrote down in detail what eyewitnesses told him. And no two of the Gospels tell the story the same way. And so as you read all four, even though they're back to back, you kind of get this whole picture of who Jesus was, how he impacted the world, and why 2,000 years ago, his life is still like his three and a half years of ministry is still rippling across our cultures um, worldwide. Um, and, I'll, and I'll do this. If you are willing to take the journey with me and read all 89 chapters of the Gospels, and I'll tell you how we're going to do that in just a minute, I will promise you three things. If you join me, you will know more about Jesus in 10 weeks than you know today. If you join me, second thing, if you join me, you will grow closer to Jesus in the next 10 weeks than you are today. And the third thing I'll promise you is that you will grow spiritually over the next 10 weeks. You will be in a different place in 10 weeks from now than you are today if you will join me over these 10 weeks reading the Gospels. And all you got to do is read one to two chapters a day. I'm asking for five minutes a day. Eight minutes if you're slow like me, ten minutes if you want to read two chapters, okay? That's all I'm asking for, but I'm telling you, there will, it will pay off. There's 89 chapters in the gospel, 70 days is what we're going to be doing this series, and so that's like one to two a day, and I will sweeten the pot for you in case you're going, man, I don't really have a Bible that I like. If you stop out there at our starting point area, we will give you a Bible to read that's easy to read, great translation, and you can journey with us because I really believe God has something special for us this summer. Um, you know, in, in the midst of our traveling, in the midst of crazy, in the midst of having kids at home, God can still speak through all that to us and if, if we will engage him. And so that is my invitation. You can read on the Bible version app too, version. You can also listen to it if you don't like reading. You can listen to it while you're driving. But this is high invitation, high challenge time, and this is what I want to ask you. If you are willing to join me over the next 10 weeks, I would love for you to raise your hand, Anybody, if you're willing to. 
All right, I got some takers. I'll take that. Okay, now look, you are making this commitment in church, so don't lie to God, okay? Make sure you do your stuff. Um, no, I, but I really think it's going to change us, and I'm hoping that actually by the end of today, more of you will join us because I believe God has something special for us as we read through his Gospels and journey with him. Um, so let's kick, get into today. How many of you this, so, so far this summer have taken a road trip? Anybody? Okay, oh wow, a little, like about, I'd say about half of you have already gone on a road trip, um, and uh, we'll call it more than four hours away, and I'll just tell you this, um, I love road trips, we just got back Friday from Hilton Head Island, and I'll just say this, we have lived here ten years, and um, I just am realizing that Hilton Head is like five and a half hours away per MapQuest, now what that means per MapQuest, that means five hours for me, six hours for Bill Malott, if you go with Bill, that's how long it's going to take you. Um, <laughs> But here's the deal. On road trips, you see things and do things that you normally don't do. And I have to tell you, I found something um, while I was in Hilton Head Island that's possibly one of my most favorite things I've ever eaten in my lifetime. Not joking. I took a risk when I saw it. I ordered it, and it was so good. It was so good, I went back the next day to get more. Not even joking. Um, I almost bought a gallon of it. If I could have talked Melissa into allowing me to bring a gallon of it home, I would have brought a gallon of it home. And, you know, she doesn't know this. And she's here right now. She doesn't know this. I've actually been trying to see if there's a way I could get it mailed to me somehow uh, because it was so good. I can't get it out of my mind. It was the flavor of the week at this little ice cream shop called, Sal and, uh, called Salty Dog Ice Cream. And the flavor was cheddar cheese ice cream cheddar cheese flavor, so good and so delicious that the second time I had it, I had the boys actually take a picture of me eating the ice cream. And here it is. That's me. I'm extremely happy with my cheddar cheese ice cream. Now, think this. Think cheese whiz in the form of ice cream with a little bit of a sweetness aftertaste, okay? That's kind of what you got. And what's cool with it, that when they first brought it out to me, they actually stuck a Ritz cracker in the top of it when they gave it to me. And my favorite part was dipping the Ritz cracker in the ice cream and eating it. And if I would have had some, I would have brought a tube of them with me the second day to keep finishing the ice cream with the Ritz cracker. So I'll, I'll just say this. Um, if you like buttered popcorn jelly beans, anybody? You would like this ice cream, okay? If you like buttered popcorn jelly beans, you would like this ice cream. So that's one of the stories from our road trip. Um, and I bet all of us have a story from a road trip that we've taken either from growing up, something happened when we were growing up, or our family. And one of the things that we're going to find out through this series is that the three and a half years of ministry, while Jesus walked this earth, uh, ministering to people and teaching people and talking to them and spending time with them, um, was one big road trip for Jesus and the disciples. They didn't stop for long. They moved from town to town, and the impact that they made, that Jesus had, um, is, is still Im impacting us today. And so to kick us off, uh, the first stop along the way, we're going to be looking at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We're going to be reading in Matthew 4, which you will read this week, reading along with me. You'll read this story. Uh, but Jesus in Matthew 4 is taken out to the Judean desert um, before his ministry even began, to be tempted in three very specific ways. And he's going to experience, today we're going to read, he's going to experience three temptations. And every one of these temptations is in the background of every temptation that you and I face. So behind every temptation you and I are going to face is one of these three mega temptations that Jesus experienced, um, which is where we're going today. We're going to talk about temptation, and to get us in the mood and get our minds thinking about temptation, we actually sent Keith, my, my little brother Keith Valentine, and JD in down, into downtown Orlando to ask people on the street what they thought about temptation. So let's watch this together. 
Hey, what's up, guys? This is Keith Valentine from Kensington, Orlando, and today we are in beautiful downtown Orlando. I'm going to be walking through the streets asking people what they think about temptation. Let's go. What do you think people's struggle with as far as temptations go? Uh, let's be real. Um, saying no to anything is usually saying no to fun stuff. So when it comes down to temptation, it's usually fun stuff. Now, whether it's uh, personally, my vice is sex. Um, you know, some people's is drugs, some people's alcohol. You know, they derive enjoyment and fun from that. Food temptations. Ooh, that's a good one. People temptations. He's naming all the ones that I could think of. Oh, yeah. Um, I know that people go for lust a lot, like over others' bodies instead of their personalities. How often? How often do you think people just give in to their temptations? Like, you think that they just do it all the time? Nine point two of the time. Temptations. Life. So, so what's your biggest temptation? Smoking. Yeah. Smoking. Yeah. I, have, I have my medical marijuana license, so don't come at me, anybody. But. Smoking. I yeah, I smoke. Yeah. It's women for me. Straight, point blank, period. Uh, I've never been one. Like, big drinking has never been. Like, I've been to college, did the whole college. Drinking, I can say yes, no. Uh, drugs never been my thing. Uh, but women. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God knew what he was doing when he made Eve. Women and, and smoking. Let's say there's a temptation that you have that's not healthy for you. You shouldn't be doing it. Okay, how do you keep from giving in to it? How do you keep? I won't even admit because I know it's a temptation that's no good for me. I stay away from it. So you flee? Not flee, because you're using your mind over matter. Because because you know if it's not right, if you look at the scripture, of the, uh, if, if you talk about religion a little bit, when you look at the scripture, you got to do what's strategic for you. Because it, it, it's just like, remember, the devil's always around you. So when the devil's here, you got to go away for the devil. You can recognize the devil, because the devil's going to always be here to, to, take, to take you to do something wrong. Um, I try to go for other stuff. I try to put my mind at ease doing other stuff. Just like being more positive. I saw that as a negative point in my life, and I try to move on that. I'll tell you, you can walk up to anybody on the street and ask about temptation and have a little bit of a conversation, can't you? Because we all face it. According to Webster's, this is why it is the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. And I'm telling you what, we face it every day from the time we're two years old, um, maybe even younger, we face temptation. It's a daily thing. We all live with it. We desire uh, to do things that we know are wrong. We desire to do stuff that we know will cost us. Um, we know if we get caught, it could damage our reputation, it could damage our relationships, it could destroy our integrity, it could bring significant struggle and strife and heartache into our life, it could alter our future for the worse, it could destroy our family, it could wither away our faith. We know that that's on the other side of temptation, but yet we still have a hard time not giving into it. And I'll just say this, because of the reality of temptation in our life, your life is a product of the temptations that you have given into in your past. Your life is a product of the temptations you've given into in your past, and your, your life will be a product of the temptations that you give into or are giving into right now. 
That's just the reality of temptation. Now, some of the, some of the junk you're dealing with with your life, um, it was put there by your mom and your dad because they put their junk in your trunk, right? They couldn't say no to different things, and they got, got, got into things that weren't good for them, and you ended up with junk in your trunk from them. And I'll just tell you, my family's one of them. My dad couldn't say no to the bottle, and he couldn't say no to women that he wasn't married with, married to. And uh, I grew up without a dad, and my mom and dad got a divorce at a young age. And so it's like I carry a lot of junk because of decisions that my dad made back then by not being able to say no to temptation. Your faith, your confidence in God is impacted in every temptation because really temptation really asks this question, can God be trusted? That really is what temptation asks. Do you trust God to fulfill his promises? Do you trust him to take care of your needs? Do you trust him to actually come alongside and help your life be better if you go his way or do you want to go your own way, which is a real simple way of just calling sin, sin. It's choosing your own way over God's. But here is kind of one of the overarching thoughts that I want to share today, and that is this. There is always more at stake when it comes to temptation than what we think. There's always more at stake with temptation than what we think. And my hope for today is to get every single one of us to a place where we might just pause when we face temptation and realize what is at stake with every single one of them, even the little ones, and learn how to say no to it. Learn how to not give in. Learn how to go a different way. And I believe we can learn that as we take our first stop on our road trip with Jesus, starting in the Judean desert between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. Jesus hadn't started his public ministry yet. Um, he's 30 years old, and he goes to be baptized by John the Baptist, who was sent ahead of Jesus to tell people that the Messiah was coming, which is Jesus, Matthew 3, 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me because John knew who he was. He's like, no, 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 I'm not baptizing you. You're the one that should be baptizing me because you're the Messiah. I'm not. Well, Jesus replied, hey, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. And in this moment, it is the only time in recorded history in the Bible that the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all together on earth. It's the only time we find that in the Bible. It's a very momentous moment. This is a big deal. And right after this big deal where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all together in one place, we read Matthew 4, 1, where then Jesus was led, immediately Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now, Jesus was, didn't wander into the desert by accident. Actually, the Holy Spirit led him to the desert for the primary purpose of being tempted not to hang out, not to have fun. Who has fun in the desert? Nobody. He was not going there for fun. He was going there primary purpose to be tempted by the devil. Now, some of you might be sitting there going, do you really think there's a devil? You really think that there's a, there's a Satan out there causing people to do bad things? And I will just say this. Yes, I do believe that Satan is real and that the devil is real. Why? Because I believe in Jesus and he said it. He said that Satan was real and I believe him. If I believe in Jesus, I have to believe in the things that he said is true. And because Jesus says he encountered Satan and that he fought against Satan and that he battled against Satan during his time on earth and showed us how, if Jesus believes that there's a Satan, I do too because I believe in Jesus. 
So in the, in the desert, Jesus is tempted in three very specific ways. And in these, you find three categories that all temptations you and I are going to face will fall under these three major categories. Um, and so let's jump in a little bit. Verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus goes to the desert. After fasting, not eating, 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I think that's an understatement. Um, I think the Bible just didn't, you know, didn't want to put an exclamation there. Just he was hungry. He was really hungry. He was hungry. You know, he, like, he wanted to eat. He would eat anything. And it is then that the tempter came to him. Now, the tempter is one of the names in the Bible for Satan. And isn't it interesting in this moment how patient Satan was? Jesus was alone for 40 days. Satan didn't do a thing, didn't bother him. He waited until what? Jesus was good and hungry. Jesus was good and tired. Jesus was good and weary, which is usually when Satan comes with temptation. Is he, he waits till we're at our weakest, and that's when he shows up. And Satan takes three swings to get Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, to fail in his mission before he even started. And you need to know that Satan, in these three temptations, this, he's on his A game. These are the biggest temptations he has. Again, he had the Son of God, Jesus, who came to save the world, save mankind. He had three shots, so he's going to use his best stuff. And so just keep in mind, as we read this, every temptation you and I are going are to struggle with and face falls underneath one of these categories. Jesus is hungry. Here's the first temptation. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus, I know you've got to be hungry 40 days without food. Satan was probably like cutting up steak at that time. Going, mm, are you hungry? You know, just take that rock. Tell it to turn to bread. And here's how I want to say this temptation. Temptation number one is to meet a legitimate God-given need in an illegitimate way. Temptation number one, to meet a legitimate, God-given need in an illegitimate way. That's what Jesus is tempted with. And it's just like you and me. God has given us God-given desires and needs. He has given us sexual desires and needs, which are good desires. He's given us the desire to eat food, which is a good desire, the need to be loved and in relationship with other people. It's a good desire. He's given us a desire to take care of our families. He's given us a desire for authority, for security, for influence. And Satan knows this and uses these God-given desires against us. He tries to, to get us to meet those legitimate needs God has given us in illegitimate ways. And it kind of goes like this. You know, if I just sit in her driveway at the end of a, of a date long enough, and I listen to her, um, you know, maybe we can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and move things along a little bit. Um, that, that's just an illegitimate, God-given need in an illegitimate way. If I smear their name around the office just a little bit, maybe I'll get the promotion instead of them. If I just drink a few more drinks, I'll, I'll find the peace that I really desire, and my problems will go away for just a little while. If I, if I just do what everybody else is doing, uh, man, I will be accepted. I will feel accepted as part of everybody else. If I, give, if I give him what he wants, even though we're not married, I will feel loved, which is something that I so long 
long to desire for a huge category of temptation in our lives is to fulfill a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And I'm just telling you, I, I face this one all the time. Uh, two weeks ago, I'm in Ace Hardware and I'm buying a, like, I don't know, eight or 10 different things. And um, I just got to tell you, I have a need to get a deal everywhere I go. I'm cheap. I want to save money. I don't want to spend money. I hate spending money. And while she's scanning stuff and putting it in the bag, I'm unfortunately watching her and she doesn't scan something, but puts it in the bag. You ever had that happen to you where you know she has no idea. She just gave you something. I wish I wouldn't have seen it because then I'm ignorance is bliss, right? But I'm like, I watch her do this. And while she's scanning the rest of the items, I'm looking at this temptation in the face of just going, I'm about to get stuff cheaper than it actually is. This is going to be a great deal. I'm going to not spend as much money as I want to. And I'm having this, this fight in my head of do I tell her or not? Do I steal this item from Ace Hardware? It's a big company. They don't care. They won't know. Or do I have integrity and stand up and say, hey, ma'am, you missed one. And um, I'm battling this in my mind. And so I'm like, well, she didn't know. I barely saw it out of the corner. So I just grabbed the bag and walked out. I didn't do that. No, it's like one of those things where I wanted to so bad. The temptation was right there. It's just a legitimate need. Save money. Spend less money. Have more for myself in an illegitimate way, make it so that she pays the price instead of me. And so instead I go, ma'am, at the end of it, I'm just like, ugh. I'm like, ma'am, I had nine items. I think you only ran, ran, ran in, rang up eight. And she actually goes, no, I got them all. I'm like, I've given you a chance. Like, I think, I think more Satan's going, all right, let's make it easier. And so I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure you missed one. And so she counts up on the thing. Sure enough, she missed one. So she charges me for it. And I go home sad with less money in my wallet. Um, but, but here's the deal. Ultimately, Jesus was tempted to use his power and authority given to him by God for himself. That's ultimately what this was. The central theme of this temptation is to meet your own needs in whatever way possible, to use your authority, your power, your influence for yourself to meet your own needs. And this really is selfishness at its core. And I'm telling you, this first temptation is selfishness. It's like, Jesus, you're hungry. Use your power. Use your authority to take care of your own need yourself. You don't need God to sustain you. You can do it yourself. And that is where this comes. It's just selfishness. So what, is, what, is God, what does Jesus do? And this is great. Uh, this is a big deal. This is how you and I can fight back against Satan when he tempts us. Um, Jesus knows Satan's playbook, so he knows how to defend it. Now, here's what's interesting. Any sports, sports guy, or any sports woman, any sports team will let you know, if you have the other team's playbook, who has the advantage? You do, right? Because you can see what play they're, plays they're running, and you can set up ways to defend against those specific plays. Jesus, in this moment, we're getting Satan's playbook. Jesus is giving us the defense to the play right here. Jesus answered in verse 4, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love that. What's the playbook? Satan will use your God-given needs to tempt you to meet them in an illegitimate way, a selfish, centered way. Jesus knows the play. He responds with God's word response was God's word. This is huge. It's why I want you to read the gospels with me over the next 10 weeks. The Bible is very clear that God's word, what is in scripture, is our only offensive weapon to use against the attacks of Satan, against the temptations that Satan has for us to get us to take our lives down roads that he wants us to go. So Jesus knows the play. He knows scripture. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, Satan, 
I don't need food. I trust God to take care of my needs. I don't need a shortcut. I don't need to eat. I just need God. I need his words. He will sustain me. And so the question is, do you know God's word enough to fight back against temptation in your life? Do you know God's word enough to fight back against the temptations in your life? Your future, your family, your faith all depend on it. And I'll just say, if you want to grow in your understanding of scripture, Thursday nights, go to that class. Go to that Bible Foundations class. You will grow spiritually. You will understand more scripture. You will have more offensive weapons to fight back against temptation. So that's the first temptation to meet a legitimate God-given need in an illegitimate way. Let's look at the second temptation, Matthew 4, 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And here's what Jesus was tempted to do. He was tempted to use God and leverage God for his own ends. He was being tempted to force God's hand to do what Jesus wanted him to do. The way I want to say this is is to presume on God, is to presume on God. And this is where a lot of us get into trouble rather than letting God lead us and show us his path. We go down our own path, we jump, and then we ask God to bless us. God, I'm going to go do this and you bless me. God, I'm going to do this my own way, and you take care of me. You promise to protect me. You say, you say that you're going to be with me, and you're going to make things go good for me, so I'm going to go this way. I don't care if it's your lead or not. This is what I want, and I want you. I want to force you to protect me. And so what do we do? We make the deal. We begin the relationship. We start the business. We jump off the cliff, and then we say to God, hey, all right, I'm ready for that blessing now. I'm ready for that protection. You hold up your end of the deal. Make this work out on me. Um, you'll forgive me. Because sometimes we're tempted to do, to, to just, to just you know, we're, we're like, I don't know if you ever thought this. Well, God will forgive me anyways if I do this. It's presuming on God. It's making him do something. And we do that rather than going to him in the first place and waiting on his lead. And when we go our own way, do our own thing, choosing our way over God's way, like I said earlier, it, that is sin. And then what's interesting about this one, who do we get upset with when we go our own way and it doesn't work out? Who are we mad at? God. Isn't that interesting? That when we go our own way and things don't work out like we planned, we're mad at God. When God was never the one leading the charge anyways, we were. So Satan says, come on, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off the table, and then, off, off the temple. And then, this is what's really interesting about this, um, Satan uses scripture. Did you notice that? Like Jesus uses scripture to combat Satan in, in temptation number one. Temptation number two, Satan goes, it's, it's like Jesus goes, whoa, scripture, you know? And Satan comes back and goes, well, whoa, scripture at him to tempt him. That's what's going on. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like spiritual kung fu right here. Um, and he just says, hey, throw yourself off the temple. God will catch you. Just jump. Everyone will see you fall and the angels will catch you and everyone will think you're amazing. Everyone will think you're inc- incredible. And this temptation was to force God to show up, force God to save him, rather than wait for God to reveal Jesus on God's timetable, Jesus was going to make God reveal him on his timetable. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that to God. And listen to what he says. It's brilliant. He says, Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord God, your God, to the test. What's he saying? Satan, you're tempting me to manipulate God. And let me just tell you this. We're supposed to cooperate with God, not manipulate God. If you want to follow God, your, your, your mission is to cooperate with God, not manipulate God to get what you want. 
And it's interesting, the people who are most disappointed with God are the people who have never fully surrendered to his direction and to him. They're people who have never fully chosen to cooperate with God, but have chosen to try and manipulate him to get what they want all the time. Now, before I get into this third temptation, um, we are going to receive our offering. Uh, for those of you that are new here, ushers, you guys can come on down and we'll receive that. For those of you that are here for the first time, second time, um, just let the, let the basket go by. We're just grateful that you're here. Uh, we want to thank you for spending time with us. This, this part of the service is not for you. For those of you that call Kensington home, this is our last week of the budget year, and we are really close to finishing on budget, so thank you for your giving. Um, thank you for those of you that give online and have been faithful throughout the year. It is so meaningful to our mission that we're on, to tell the world about who Jesus is and help people grow spiritually in their walk with him. So thank you for that. Um, so let's, let's get into this third temptation. The first temptation is to meet an illegitimate need or a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. The second temptation is to presume on God and to force God's hand to do what we want him to do um, rather than let him lead the way. And the third temptation we find in verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And so here's the temptation, temptation number three, to do the right thing the wrong way. The temptation is to do the right thing the wrong way. Jesus was tempted in this moment to take a shortcut, to compromise. He was tempted to actually worship Satan and immediately rule the kingdoms of the world. It was like, bow to me and boom, you will rule all the kingdoms of the world. This is about our desire for lust and for more and for progress, which tempts us to take shortcuts. And I'll just tell you, the day will come, or it's already come in your life, that you have the opportunity to take a giant step forward in your career, in your life, in your relationships, but you'll have to compromise something that you value. And it may be the perfect next step, but you're going to have to check your morality or your conscience or your values at the door, maybe just for a moment. And the way it goes in our head is, oh, we'll just do that for a moment. Then we'll, on the other side, we'll pick back up our values and we'll, we'll be the, 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 the values-driven person again. But during this moment, we just, you know, we're going to have to compromise to get what we want, to get where we want, to do the right thing in the wrong way. This is a temptation to trade what is important for what is immediate, to pursue the right thing in the wrong way. And I'm just telling you, this one gets me too. It's like the, it, it, it made me think of my kids. It's like I want them to obey, which is the right thing, but how do I want to get them to do it? By getting angry and yelling at them. And yes, I'm a pastor. I yell at my kids, okay? I'm not proud of it, but it's just one of those temptations to use anger to get them to obey rather than to figure out how to lovingly get them to where I need them to go. That's just one little temptation in my life of just doing the right thing in the wrong way. And I'm sure you have your own that you can think of. So Satan said to Jesus, all the kingdoms of the earth I will give you if you will submit to my authority for just a moment. No one's here to see it. Just, in fact, Jesus, I'm sure it went down like this. Jesus, just bend your knee enough. I mean, literally just tap your knee on the ground. Just one little tap, man. No one will see it. It'll, it'll just look like you stumbled. Just one little, one little bounce of the knee and just worship me for a second and I will give you everything. And here's the reality of this temptation. Satan always promises what he can never deliver. He always promises what he can never deliver. He promises happiness. He promises power. He promises pleasure. He promises security, but he can never deliver it. Why? Because sin always makes promises that it can't deliver on. Satan says, Jesus, just take the shortcut. Do it my way. It's the right thing for you. Sure, it may be the wrong way, but the end result will be exactly what 
you want. And for us, this is where, I'm just telling you, this is where our friends come into the picture of our life. This is a tough one. But some of us have friends around us right now that push us and tempt us to do the right thing the wrong way. You ever had a, you have a friend like that right now? Or maybe you had a friend. I remember back in high school, I had a number of friends that were always wanting me to do stuff, you know, the wrong way, do the right thing the wrong way. Um, and, and I'll just tell you, we've got friends like that that, that that want us to be happy more than they want us to be holy. We have friends that tell us what we want to hear rather than tell us what we need to hear. We have friends that offer us a worldly escape rather than godly counsel. And you just need to listen to who you're listening to. And sometimes, I'll tell you, we avoid friends that are going to tell us what we need to hear instead of what we want to hear, don't we? Like, we'll just kind of pass them and we'll call the friends that we are pretty sure, you know, I really want to gossip right now. I'm pretty sure I know what friend to call. Rather than call these other friends that aren't going to take the bait, we know who to call. Sometimes we'll bypass Well, I'll just tell you this. Satan's plan for you is the path of least resistance. That is his plan for your life. If he can get you to take the path of least resistance in any area of your life, he will do it. And you got to realize what Satan is doing to Jesus in this moment. Satan is offering Jesus. Now, just think of of what's going on here behind the scenes. If you step, if you look a layer behind what we're reading, Satan is offering Jesus all the power and authority over the kingdoms of this world without the cross. He's offering him everything without the pain, without the suffering, without the bloodshed. It's the right thing, Jesus, king of all kings, in the wrong way, taking a shortcut, taking the path of least resistance, taking Satan's way. And this is why following Jesus is hard. Following Jesus is about doing the right thing the right way. And that is not very easy. It's not taking the path of least resistance, even though everybody else is. It's taking the narrow road that very few people travel. It's holding off on sex until you're actually married. Nobody wants to do that. But that's what God says is the right way to do it. If you want a marriage that's going to last the rest of your life, do it my way. It's working hard and saving money and being wise financially, not taking on enormous debt to get what you want right now. It's hard. Who wants to do that when everybody else isn't doing that? It's making money the right way, not taking shortcuts. It's putting in the hours of studying for the test rather than using your buddies or test that he took yesterday. Satan wants you to be happy any way he can get you to be happy, but God has called you to be holy and find happiness in the holiness. And I will tell you this, if you and I will choose holiness On this earth, God has promised us happiness for eternity. If you and I will take the hard way, not the path of least resistance and give in to this temptation, choose the holy way, God says when you get to heaven, you can can have happiness for the rest of all eternity. Jesus was tempted to do the right thing the wrong way, but chose to deny himself and eventually gave up his life for us so that he could have, so that we could have eternal life. And then Jesus says to us, hey, I want you to pick up your cross. I want you to pick up doing things my way. I want you to pick up following me, doing the right things the right way. I want you to resist temptation. I want you to pick up your cross now because then when you get to heaven, you can pick up a crown. So Satan took him to the top of the mountain and said, look, can you see it, Jesus? And I want you to feel it. I want you to bask in the potential power and authority uh, that you could have now with no pain, no suffering, no cross. You wouldn't have to go to the cross. Just submit to me temporarily. And Jesus said to him, 
away from me, Satan, for it is written. Here you go again. God, Jesus just responding with scripture. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil came to him, or then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Every temptation you will ever face falls in the category of one of these three temptations that Jesus faced. And how did Jesus respond? With God's word, with the power of the words of scripture. And so this comes down to you. Do you realize what is at stake with every temptation that you face? Do you realize what truly is at stake with every temptation that you face? And what in your life do you need to say no to? What in your life do you need to say no to? Say, no, I'm not giving that to myself anymore. I'm not going that direction. What sin are you stuck in right now? What temptation are you giving into that you know God is just saying stop? Just stop going down that road. And it's going to hurt to stop. And this is the hard part about, about sin. It usually, like the one guy said, it's like it's saying no to fun. It seems fun at the time. So stopping is going to cost you something. But some of you, you know right this moment what you need to stop today, what needs to change in your life right now. Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are going to be tempted. And he says to us, I've been there. I've experienced that. And I didn't give in so I can help you not give in as well. So let me end with some hope because it can feel daunting resisting temptation all the time because it just comes on as an onslaught so much. I'll just tell you this. On your own strength, you can't resist temptation with your willpower. I've tried. I've said, I will never do that again. Mm. I got this and failed. I've grabbed other people and said, hey, we're going to do this together. We're not going to do this again. And we've failed. Because you can't overcome the temptation of Satan, who is the tempter, the tempter. You can't overcome that temptation on your own with willpower. You can only do that with the strength of God, who says, if you will follow me with your life, I will give you the strength to resist temptation in your life. And this is one of my favorite promises of God. I'm going to give you a, a verse that if you memorize, this is the ace up of up every Christian's sleeve when it comes to temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. What is, what is Paul wrote this, the apostle Paul? He's basically saying, look, I know you feel that nobody else can possibly be tempted this bad, but there's not a temptation you're going to face that everybody doesn't face. But God is faithful. You can trust him. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. This is a big deal. This is a promise right from God saying, you will never experience a temptation that you cannot say no to. And this is God promising. You will always be able to say no. But not only will you always have a temptation, that you'll never have a temptation that you can't say no to. It goes on. But when you are tempted, and you will be, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. What an incredible promise by God. He's just saying, look, you're going to face temptation. Everybody's going to face it. But you're never going to be in a situation that you can't say no. And if you trust me, I will show you the way out before you give in. I will show you the way out before you give in. What a promise. What a promise. Jesus came and died on the cross. He didn't just do that to pay for our sin. He died to actually give us power over sin. And give us the ability to do the right thing the right way. 
all the time. Is it possible to do that? I have to believe if this verse is true, that yes, but probably unlikely. I'll just judge from my own life. But I want to get back to there's no way you can defeat temptation in your life without the power of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this, you can only access his power in your life by having a relationship with him. That's it. If you're struggling with temptation in your life right now and you have a relationship with Jesus, draw on his power to say no. Ask him to fulfill this verse, this promise. Say, God, show me the way out. Show me the way out. Show me the way out. There's a way out, and it's going to be a hard way out for some of you. also pray, show it to me and give me the strength to do it. But I know for some of you, you haven't accepted Jesus Christ in your life yet. You don't have access to that power. And I want to just take a moment and just pray right now and give some of you the opportunity to accept Jesus in this moment as your Lord and Savior. So if you, everyone in the room would bow your head, close your eyes with me. And if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, he died on the cross for you. He paid for your sins to not only forgive you for all the temptations that you've given into in your past, also in your future, but he died to give you power over sin. And I want to pray for you if you're ready to accept him today. And you can just um, repeat my words, make my words your words um, from your heart to God. You don't have to say them out loud, but you can say something maybe like this. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross to pay for my sins and rose again. And I place my faith in him. I pray that you'll forgive me for my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. Help me see the way out you provide for me when I'm tempted. And give me the power of your Holy Spirit to take that way out. God, today, I surrender my life to you. And Jesus, I pray for the rest of us in the room that are right now struggling with temptation. God, I pray that, that you would help us all to just see the way out, give us the strength to take it, to make today a day that we look back on and say, my life changed because I changed directions. I took the road less traveled, the narrow road, and I stopped giving in to the temptations that Satan was laying before me and access God's power to live differently. Lord, help us to do that today as we follow you. In your holy name.